0: Back, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Core 4 podcast. I podcast on the Grizzly Bear Blues Podcast Network alongside GBB Live, the 3D podcast, and the Starting Five podcast. Make sure you're liking, subscribing, downloading, whatever you need to do on the Grizzly Bear Blues Podcast Network, whether it's Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Megaphone, iHeartRadio, or wherever you get your podcast. Grizzly Bear Blues is a blog under SB Nation. You can find us on the web at grizzlybearblues.com. We're on Twitter at SBN Grizzlies. I'm your host, Parker Fleming, and it's it's glorious. We're finally at the 2020 draft after literally prepping for it all year long, and we've covered over 50 prospects. We... Uh, revealed a consensus big board from 11 of our staff writers. Two of them are coming on the show with me here momentarily. And we built a top 60 of all the 2020 draft prospects. All in all, it included about 75 to 80 prospects that got included on big board. So very excited about that project. Make sure you're checking it out on the blog. But before we get started on today's show, let me introduce my guest at this time. First up is Grizzly Bear Blues, senior staff writer, host of the Locked on Grizzlies podcast, Mr. Sean Coleman, a.k.a. the Human Trade Machine. Sean, what up? I'm
1: here to just create content. I will admit to you, Parker, that introduction, memorizing it like crazy, everybody knows where Ever to find Grizzly Bear Blues in the podcast, that was absolutely amazing. But as always, it's a pleasure to uh to be in your presence and thank you.
0: Thank you, thank you. I think it's just the excitement from finally being able to see how the draft unfolds. And now let me bring on Grizzly Bear Blues staff writer, making her core four debut. We got Miss Lauren Harvey. Lauren, how are you? I'm doing great, Parker. Thanks for having me. Absolutely, and so. We just want to jump right into draft talk. Um, I know, Lauren, Sean, I hope y'all don't get mad at me for going off um, what I told y'all we were talking about. But we had a little bit of, like, quasi-breaking news today. Um, Ian Begley of the New York SNY TV, he covers the Knicks and the Nets and the NBA, tweeted earlier that Stanford's Tyrell Terry Says that he also worked out for the Memphis Grizzlies. And for, uh, unless you've, uh, haven't really been following the draft, Tyrell Terry has been a popular name within the, uh, national media internet community. Uh, Kevin O'Connor wrote an awesome feature on him on the ringer.com and has him in the top 10 on his big board. Um, and he's a consensus first-round pick. I think the lowest I saw him was on CBS Sports in ninety two nine Parish, payers draft at 31. That came out uh, about two hours ago. But it would honestly require a little trade-up. But we know one person who would be excited about that is uh, Lauren. Because mm-hmm. on our consensus big board, she had Tyrell Terry at seven. Yeah. So, Lauren, what – because somebody had Tyrell Terry higher than seven, why are you so high on him? Why do you think he'd be a good fit with the Memphis Grizzlies?
2: Uh, Well, I think he'd be a great fit, honestly, because um, he has been extremely successful in college. Um, He was, uh, you know, a Pac-12 player of the year. And um, he can just uh, fill in a lot of different roles. Um, People are looking at him as a – uh, a third point guard on the grizzlies and um i mean maybe but honestly i think he is just one of those players that is successful um honestly and can do a whole lot of different things and i think the grizzlies will need to trade up but um you know if they do i think that that's a great trade honestly
0: Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I think a good frame of reference for like a potential trade up because I know we were talking on the show earlier is that we don't or before the show aired, we don't know what that trade package would include. I think a good frame of reference would be a trade last year with the, uh, I think it was the Detroit Pistons and the Cleveland Cavaliers. The, The Cleveland Cavaliers traded away four second round picks to get the 30th pick. And they used that on Kevin Porter Jr., So I think that would be a good frame of reference. I mean, the Grizzlies have a surplus of second round picks that they can use. I'm I don't really mind giving up second round picks for first round talent, to be honest. Um, I think one thing too, that it does, and I know Sean will other talk about this and expand on this, but I think moving up for a guy like Tyrell Terry really, uh, does a lot of different stuff for the Memphis Grizzlies. I see it as a, a way to where uh, you can kind of ease the burden and sting. If a big offer sheet comes to Anthony Melton's way, Uh, if somebody makes a lucrative offer for Tyus Jones, he's a little more expendable. Maybe if you want to upgrade and find a little more size on the wing, it makes Grayson Allen, who had a very strong bubble and emerges one of the better shooters on the wings for the Grizzlies, makes him a little expendable too. Sean, do you kind of see it in that realm where it can unlock these different directions and moves the Grizzlies can make towards building that next iteration of the Grizzlies playoffs team?
1: Yeah, and especially with the fact that, you know, a couple of aspects of Tyrell Terry that I like is that, you know, his overall, you know, uh, projected value is all over the place. You know, I had him at 25 on my big board. We've had Kevin O'Connor Lauren, for instance, you see him all over the place in the first round. So when you see values like that all over the place, The further they fall in the first round, it's more likely the more of a steal that they are. I do feel that he's more of an off-guard or off-ball type guard. You know, I know the Ringer has comparisons like a Mark Price or a C.J. McCollum. I do agree with that. I don't necessarily think he's ever going to be the primary point guard for a team – But I do feel that one aspect he brings to this that's worth investing a couple of future seconds in is shooting and good shooting potential, like extremely good shooting potential. That's not something that you see very much evident in all the investment that the Grizzlies have had on their current roster. So I think that when it comes to not only a good shooting potential, but a guy who truly could be a legitimate maybe even starter or very highly effective role player, that's certainly worth investing in. So I think investing in a player like that gives you options, which is what this Memphis Grizzlies team wants for the future.
0: Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I know the Ringer Draft guy compares him to C.J. McCollum, Mark Price, and Jason Terry. I think those are very outstanding outcomes. And I think it gives something to the Grizzlies that they haven't really had since O.J. Mayo and Mike Miller – uh, back in the early two thousands and that's a microwave scorer off the bench. Somebody that can come in and get you nine, ten, eleven quick points, adding to an efficient bench unit of Tyus Jones and Brandon Clark, like Sean's wrote about it extensively on our blog, that bench is efficient. And you think adding somebody like Tyrell Terry could change the dynamic of that bench unit, Sean?
1: I do. And and, and like I say again, you know, you've got a trio of players. You know, we meet Parker, me and you have talked about it, um, is the is the underlying improvement that you saw with the Grayson Allen and Tyus Jones with their shooting especially spot up. And, of course, with the efficiency of Jones as a playmaker and Brandon Clark as a low-post guy, you've kind of got that triangle of options there. But now you had Terry in with his immense shooting ability as a fourth member of that bench. There's so many different ways they can beat you. And to support our young core with John Jaron in the starting lineup, that keeps them fresher. It allows for you to really create advantage against anybody that makes you have better chances against more talented teams. And it really adds to the core that can offer Taylor Jenkins a variety of lineup options, which we
0: all know he likes. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And while we're on the topic, Tyrell Taylor doesn't necessarily have to be the player the Grizzlies trade up for in the 2020 draft uh, this draft is going to be all over the place because of the weird build-up to it. There's no March Madness. There were not a traditional combine, no traditional pre-draft workouts. And it's you're going to have teams going all these different directions, as we've seen with the Houston Rockets so far this week. Teams looking to trade up like the New Orleans Pelicans and the Oklahoma City Thunder. Minnesota, there's so many – almost every team is – going to be very busy on draft night when it comes to making moves, whether up or down. As a result, players are going to fall. Players that we thought that were going to be high are going to fall. And Lauren, who is someone else that you can see the Grizzlies moving up to, to select if they are a free faller on draft night?
2: Um. Yeah. I don't know if this guy will be a free faller, but um, I don't think he'll be there at, four, at 40, but Tyler Bay is somebody that, um, I mean, he's, uh, you know, somebody that I think I could see being in the 20 to 30 range, which is probably where the Grizzlies will need to trade up with. Um, He's extremely versatile player. Um, You know, somebody that uh, was able to at six, seven, you know, play the center uh, Colorado and just uh, extremely versatile um, excellent rebounder and, um, somebody that I could see, um, you know, more so trading up for Tyrell Terry, um, a Tyler Bay type is I could see somebody, um, you know, the Grizzlies trading up in that range to try to get somebody like
0: that is more realistic in my mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Tyler Bay's kind of been a f- semi-favorite in uh, Grizzlies Twitter, mainly like GBB Twitter. I know, uh, Sam Ficini of the athletic in a recent mock draft had Tyler Bay at 40, But I also think he's a player that can go in the first round because he's a valuable player in terms of his skill set and his uh, physique. He boasted unbelievable numbers in the uh, draft combine recently as far as vertical and uh, standing vert, standing reach, wingspan and everything. He played a lot of center in college, and that's going to bode well for him in the NBA because there's so much positional versatility. He can legitimately stretch across five positions as a, def- as a defender. And though it was on low volume, he showed he can shoot and connect on threes at a okay clip. It was just one three a game. But, I mean, as we've seen with Brandon Clark, we know what it how big of a difference it is when you have somebody who even just for – one shot in the game. He'll make a defense honest from the three point line. I think that's very important. Um, Sean, who, who's someone you see as a potential trade up target for the Memphis Grizzlies?
1: So at 20, and if, if in the 20 range, if you see this guy fall, Bandy product Aaron Naismith is another guy who I would really put on that Tyrell Terry. As a matter of fact, I think that he is someone that projects better to trust in his shot than Terry does. Though Terry may have, you know, a bit more of a microwave type option. I just love Naismith's shot. So I think he's someone at the 30 position, someone that me and you in recent days have talked about a little bit more Parker, and that's Elijah Hughes from Syracuse, especially with the isolation creation, the ability to um, really set up in the mid-range. I think he's someone who can consistently do that as well as having a little bit of history as a secondary ball handler. Lauren, this is why I love talking to her every chance that I get because she always brings up these excellent points. Tyler Bay is a still at 40, but another guy that I think that makes a lot of assists is Cassius Stanley, yep. arguably yeah. who has been called one of the best athletes out of uh, Southern California in the past 20 years. 20, older for a guy with only one year of major college basketball, but also legitimate 3 D potential plus a nightmare in
0: transition which is a really good combo for this Grizzlies core. Absolutely, yeah. It's, it's ironic you say that because your former co-host and fellow GBBer Justin Lewis texted me today. He goes, "You know, I'm I'm sold on who I want at forty. Nothing's going to shake me from it." I'm like, "All right, who is this?" I, I, in my mind, I'm like, "He's going to say Tyrell Terry, just because the news just came out." He said Cassius Stanley for the reason that you he's someone that can leap like Zion, but also shoot threes. And that that's enticing, like you said, for this uh, iteration of the Grizzlies. Uh, I have two guys on here that don't really fit the Grizzlies positionally, but it's just one of those best player available, and they have all the talent in the world. And like you said, like you always harp on Sean, it's capital – that's asset. They can build and outplay their draft position, where you know you can use them in a potential deal to get somebody that fits what you're trying to do. Once Cole Anthony, I don't know why there's such a uh, discrepancy with his standing on big boards. Some have him like, late first round. Some have him late lottery. But he put up 18 and five on probably the worst North Carolina team I've seen in my lifetime. I also will die on the hill that college basketball has atrocious spacing and pace. And it doesn't do – it just is not a pretty brand of basketball to watch. I know that kind of hurts because Tennessee Vols basketball is really good, but it's just not a fun product for me to watch. Uh, But Cole Anthony is someone I can see step in in the backcourt and be a very valuable piece off the bench and could potentially, again, kind of like – but not in the same extent as a shot maker from three it's just that bucket getter off the bench who could potentially you can put in a deal later on for a guy that you need maybe on the wing or something also memphis tigers uh precious achua uh kevin o'connor reported today that he's uh receiving like around he's top 10 on most big boards among scouts but i also had heard that there's people that have him as like a second round guy so if he's a guy that falls all of a sudden you have a guy that could potentially come in as your fourth big defend across positions rim run a little bit and if that shot goes down I mean this can be a hot take on here in a Memphis centric podcast but he could be better than James Wiseman if that jumper falls and that those are two guys I would trade up for if the opportunity allows obviously if it means uh, trading away a rotation player kind of like a a Tyus Jones or Grayson Allen or Jonas Valanciunas someone who's vital for this Grizzlies team right now I don't know if I would say yes or if it included the Utah pick or the Golden State pick or any other future first I'm not doing that but if you can get away with using the 40th pick in some future seconds and move into the later half of the uh, first round. I'm all in. I got, I'm all in on doing that. And uh, we're going to move into a quick break, but on the other side, we will talk to you about the Grizzly bear blues, big board. All right. So we're back and I, I, I hate to be that uh, podcast co-host, but I'm going to answer my, my own question first. The biggest surprise that you saw on other on big boards whether it was a consensus or on someone else's big board mine was uh the standing of james wiseman it was a little bit lower than i anticipated especially on a memphis centric blog he was fifth among all big boards i know um lauren lauren who are you a fan of like college basketball wise. Are you a Memphis fan or are you another uh, college basketball fan?
2: I am a college basketball nomad. So um, I, I kind of uh, enjoy college basketball generally. Um, I did not go to a college where there was college basketball. Um, my dad went to Penn State, so i root for the Nittany Lions when possible, but I just enjoy the game. Um, so when the Tigers are doing well, the city is doing well, so I will root for the Tigers, but I really honestly don't have a rooting interest in college.
0: Mm-hmm. So. Gotcha. So with Wiseman, only three of our eleven riders had him uh, in the top three. Ed Memphis had him at two, and Brandon Abraham and Ben Hogan had him at three. Uh, he was kind of all over the place in the top ten. I, I was I was not surprised by Justin Lewis. He's a diehard Ole Miss fan and loves to hate on Memphis fans and Memphis athletes. Yeah. I had him four. I had him originally at seven, but it's one of those things that if he goes to the Golden State Warriors, he's the first or second best guy in that draft because they're going to make him look awesome. So I guess that was my biggest surprise. I was expecting him to be like two or three. I was very surprised that nobody had Lamella Ball below two. I was very shocked. I enjoyed that as a (laughs) a big baller connoisseur, but – I was very shocked of those two things in particular, and uh, I'll move to you now, Lauren. What, what was something that caught your eye as something very surprising on our big board?
2: So that was exactly mine, was Lamelo being the overwhelming number one consensus, which I think he was number one on six and number two on five, which for a draft where there is not a big consensus, where there is not you know a superstar uh, surefire thing, uh, that was surprising. Um, and to me, the thing that sells me the most on LaMelo is he's extremely elite in the, in the pick and roll. His handles are incredible. And I always find it very interesting that the the quote unquote knock on him was, Oh, well he'll be maybe a better Lonzo, which I'm a big Lonzo fan. Like, like I really love Lonzo and I think he's extremely underrated. So if, LaMelo is a better Lonzo Ball, like I'm sold. But mm-hmm. I did think that it was interesting in a, in a draft where there's so many uh, different opinions that, that he was that much of a consensus number one guy, which I agree with. I would number one as well, but I thought that was um, very interesting.
0: Absolutely. I, I mean, I shared the same sentiments with you. And one of the biggest critiques is, oh, but his dad... Or, oh, what about his maturity? The kid played in two different countries uh, while being 16 and 18 years old. That, I think that speaks volumes to his uh, maturity, uh, despite what media says. Uh, Sean, what about you? What stood out to you in the, in the big board as a surprise?
1: Um, Kira Lewis Jr. and uh, Sadiq Bay. Uh, Those guys, I believe, came in, you know, towards 19 and 20. And and those guys, I think, in terms of Memphis fandom may have been a little bit more. I I thought they could have been a bit more favoritism, you know, put towards them because Sadiq Bey is the type of player that solid, you know, really good shooting presence that can offer value in many different ways. He's that type of guy, exactly what the Grizzlies need. And also, if you want to look at a guy who basically is a poor man's jaw, I don't think he's the playmaker jaw he is, but in terms of athleticism, you got Kara Lewis there. And with his being, you know, in the 19, I, I always mess up his first name, but he's 19 years old, just a speedster out there. If you want a guy that reminds you most of John Moran, I figured that that's something that would have stood out to a lot of our riders. I, I get that he's probably in the 15 range as far as most draft big boards go, but I thought he'd be a, be a bit high. After watching your John Moran.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. It's funny you mentioned that because I was reading an article yesterday from The Athletic where uh, one of their writers talked to five different scouts regarding 50 different players. And one of the comparisons they said for Kira Lewis Jr. was a poor man's John Moran. I, I think that's pretty spot on. Um, yeah. I know I had him lower than most because I'm, I, I like guys like RJ Hanton, Cole Anthony, and uh, Tyrese Maxey a little more just what they offer as shot creators um that, that's just uh what I think and now uh on to your own individual big boards well start with Sean I need you to defend your hottest take see I don't know your hottest take technically so I'll, I need you to say it and defend it
1: well, my hottest take is that I would take Onyeka Okongwu over James Wiseman. And, and that may not be that hot of a take. The other take that I'll say is, is that I'm not truly convinced um, Isaac Okoro is a top 10 pick. But I'll go with the Okongwu wiseman take. Um, I think Wiseman has the higher ceiling. But I do think Onyeka Okongwu in this draft makes the more um, immediate impact, has the ability to play more Consistently in high leverage in playoff situations, due to his switchability away from the rim and his defense, and I also think that he has the better chance of being a significant talent. I think that Riseman is more high risk, high reward. It's going to depend on his shot. I think Okongwu offers more value elsewhere and has more certainty to offer that value, where he may not have to have just as a, a, you know much of a shot presence out there. So my take that I had was in Okongwu, I would take him. I actually would take him if I were the Warriors over Wiseman.
0: Sounds good. Yeah, I know a lot of uh, draft Twitter. They're very big on a Okonwu over Wiseman. I, I think, yeah, you can go either way. I think either player would be great for the Golden State Warriors. I think it's one of those things that if Wiseman ends up on the Warriors, Wiseman's going to be the better player. But if Wiseman ended up elsewhere, it's going to be a Okonwu for sure. And, I certainly
1: uh, agree with that.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, Lauren, now on to you. What is What was your uh, hottest draft take? I mean, you already told us uh, – t- Tyrell Terry was at seven. Uh, yeah. only, only two people had him in the top 10 or yeah, top 10 on yeah. our big boards. So what was, what was your hottest take?
2: I would actually say it's uh, Denny Avidia is not a top 10 pick. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, you know, I think he's an extremely inconsistent shooter. And so that's the main thing. 27% from three. The truly scary thing, though, is 55% from the free throw line. Um, And he is – he has great size. He's strong. Um, I did not have him, like, you know, in the late first round. I had him at 11. It's just I would not spend that draft capital, um, you know, outside of top ten pick on him. I had him at 11. Um, So, um, and his quick – his first step is quick – but um, the only way, you know, is uh, with these European prospects, it's, it's watching YouTube clips. And his first step is quick, but I do question when, when watching it um, how he's going to be able to get to the rim versus NBA defenders. Um, so he, he's not a bad athlete by any means, but if he can't shoot, if he can't get to the rim, um, I mean, you know, I see his upside as a secondary playmaker. I get why he's ranked as high on other big boards as he is. Um, One thing I really do like about him that I didn't know, you know, kind of when you're digging into these prospects um, is apparently he's a really big trash talker, Um, which, yeah, for, uh, for European players, like they're like, yeah, he's the biggest trash talker we've ever seen. So um, I do like that he has that kind of edge to him. Um, Apparently he's a great work ethic. So, um, again, I'm not super down on him, um, but I think him being outside the top ten was probably my biggest, uh, you know, my biggest hot take.
1: So should we start a nickname already? Denny the Demon? This guy <laughs> who <can> talk trash talking <laughs> in five different languages? I like that. That is outside the box analysis, Yeah. Trash talk in five different languages, that is something that should earn you a top two or three spot in this
0: draft.
2: Yeah, no, I agree. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, that that's interesting. I know another uh European that had that similar mocks, he was uh Mario Hazonia, and he hasn't really panned out well. <laughs> right. um, I, I had Advia Advia uh three on my board. I know uh me, Joe, Nate Chester and uh, Jesse Sequini all had him three. I'm I'm buying the jumper. I also think that uh, in that top six where he's slated, I think he'll be around enough good uh, playmakers to kind of offset that need or the overwhelming need for a quick first step. But also I'm buying he can build on that jumper and surprise people. Be a little bit of a – uh, a nice cutter as well for uh, systems that prioritize ball movement like the Golden State Warriors. I don't think they're going to draft him, but that would be interesting. Chicago would be interesting as well with uh, Kobe White, Zach Levine, uh, and marketing And I know this is weird to say, but I, I kind of like his fit in Cleveland if they keep Kevin Love. Kevin Love's a very good elbow passer. And uh, Stock uh, Sexton and Garland, I I think they could be good playmakers and pass the ball. Well, I just think they just need more targets and guys to get looks for and Advia could be one. Um, I'm not going to get into my biggest uh, hot, the the absolute overwhelming biggest hot take, which is R.J. Hampton at six. I've tweeted about it enough. I've written about it enough in our uh, big board. And uh, if you follow Mike Miller on Twitter, he will preach to the choir as well. Mine is Malachi Flynn. as a top 20 prospect. I know one thing I like to do in my big boards and rankings, I, power, I do a uh, upside versus uh, risk. And with Malachi Flynn in particular, I think there's just no risk with him. I think he's a, he's going to be a solid NBA player, no matter what at the bare minimum, he's going to be a good backup point guard. Uh, he finished in the 96 percentile and, um, pick and roll points per possession. He's a good three-point shooter, uh, feisty defender, uh, despite his size. Uh comparison I saw on The Athletic with the scouting article I was referring to earlier was uh, Fred Van Fleet, and I, I see that upside with him. And I think if he gets into his where he's going to be drafted in that range of, like, you know, Philly and uh, Milwaukee, uh, Utah – I think he's going to thrive and be an impact player day one. And he's a guy that can outplay his uh, drafts position. I mean, we, we've seen in Memphis, um, an older player who outplayed his draft position. Everybody looked down on him because of, you know, his prototypical size or his age. And now it's Brandon Clark. And I think Malachi Flynn is going to be the guards, Brandon Clark this year, make an impact day one. And um, to wrap it up, swinging it back to Grizzlies draft talk, and we have Sean Coleman and Lauren Harvey of Grizzly Bear Blues on our show. First of all, uh, before we continue on, wrap up the show, thank you very much. We're gonna make this super quick. Um, so, and team our analysts are making final mock drafts. ESPN has the Grizzlies picking Reggie Perry, the athletic has then picking Tyler Bay. Bleacher Report has us picking Grant Riller. Babcock Hoops has Memphis drafting Jay Scrubbs. Sports Illustrated has them drafting Paul Reed. And today, uh, Tankathon update, updated its final mock, and instead of Cassius Stanley, it's Emmanuel Quickly from Kentucky. Uh, I'll start with you, Lauren. Out of those five, or, yeah, five names, six names, who would you want the Grizzlies to draft the most?
2: Um, I mean, I'm going to say Tyler Bay, but I don't think he's going to be there. Um, I think Tyler Bay at 40, uh, I'd be shocked. I mean, it's, a, it's an unpredictable draft. Anything can happen, but um, Tyler Bay would be incredible. I would run around my living room if that happened, but I don't think he will be there. Um, I think Grant Riller is the more likely, the more realistic option. Um, and so, again, if Tyler Bay's there, I will be the first one celebrating, running around my living room. But I think Grant Riller um, would be a very good pick. Um, An older player, a guy who went to, uh, you know, not a big school. Um, And um, uh, just an absolute efficient uh, scorer, which is exactly what the Grizzlies need. So I would be absolutely happy with that. I think that's realistic. He could be there. Um, And so I'm, I'm going with Grant Riller. But uh, again, if Tyler Bay is
0: there, mm-hmm. absolutely. Wow. <laughs> and uh, Sean, what about yourself?
1: Oh, if it if Tyler Bay is there, like it, 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 please, you know, go up there, <laughs> give whoever the guy is a hug. I don't care what you do, but pick Tyler Bay. Uh, my guys, Cassie is Stanley. Um Stanley. I, I I really really would like to see. The Grizzlies get a value pick there at 40, though I do think that with the Tyrell Terry news, you do see a likelihood of a trade-up. But if they're there at 40 and, you know, of the players that are there, I think the athletic projected upside, the youth, and just the different ways in which you can give those tools that you can give Taylor Jenkins to work with. If Tyler Bay's not the pick, I'd take Cassius Stanley.
0: Yeah. So those players. Absolutely. Uh, I'm, I'm going to pick the guy that Tankathon recently updated to today. And that is Emmanuel quickly out of Kentucky. He was the SEC player of the year last year. He shot 43% from three on a nice volume, and he also shot 92% from the free throw line, which is a very strong indicator for NBA three-point percentage. Um, Even though he's 6'3", he has a plus-seven wingspan, as a a 6'10 wingspan, and having that kind of length on the perimeter – uh, get some good uh, positional versatility, especially since Coach Jenkins loved deploying three-guard lineups with Tyus and DeAnthony and Grayson Allen. So I, I got to go with the manual quickly. I'm also not going to – I'm never going to fail on the Kentucky pedigree. It's going to – every draft they produce a good player, and I'm, I'll bite on it. Um, even, I, even though I've lived through the Andrew Harrison experiment. To wrap up the show – One final draft prediction, and we asked this on GBB Live last week. Yes or no, do the Grizzlies end up making a draft night trade? Lauren, we'll start with you.
2: I'm going to say no. I think their eyes are to 2021, despite all the Tyrell Terry smoke. Um, I think they make their pick at 40, um, whoever that might be, um, and call it a night. I don't think they, they make a trade. Um, I think their eyes are to 2021 every moves that every single move that they've done indicates that Um, and so I do not think they make a trade because I do think that would involve I mean I don't know what the assets would be but there would definitely be some future assets involved to trade up and, and I just don't think that's their mindset right now
1: okay Sean what about yourself Yes, I do think that they make a trade. Uh, you could see them trade up, which I think does make sense with the number 40 pick. However, I do also think that, you know, if especially if they have two two-ways and, you know, a roster spot available, um, I could also see them trading back into the second round. You've seen a lot of general managers talk about that. You know, could you take a Sam Merrill? There are some attractive shooters that are still there, you know, in that 40 to 50 range. If those guys are there after the 40th pick, I think they could pick at 40 and maybe get back into the second round for an additional pick as well.
0: For sure. I, I think there will be a draft night trade at some capacity, but I will give the hot take that it's not for a draft pick in the twenty twenty draft. I think I think you'll see another trade that involves uh some big salaries for the Memphis Grizzlies. That's my um prediction for tomorrow or yeah, it be tomorrow night's draft. I, I'll post this up on Tuesday night, night before the draft, little draft eve, night before the draft special. But yeah, that's about all the time we have. Sean, Lauren, you want to go ahead and plug your stuff in? Sean, go ahead. Let the people know where they can find you.
1: Yeah, I'm at Stats SAC. Um, I uh, have been writing for Grizzly Bear Blues for a little over two years now uh, through the kindness and support, and, uh, you know, guidance of people such as Parker and others. Um, I've had a lot of opportunities come my way. I host the Locked on Grizzlies podcast with the Locked on Network. Just a, a real, real, you know, blessed experience. I enjoy every minute of it. Um, and so you can find my stuff at Stats SAC, obviously on Grizzly Bear Blues um, and through Locked on Grizzly. We, we've got plenty of coverage
0: just like the 4-4 podcast does over there. Absolutely, thank you, Sean. Lauren, where the, where can the people find you? Yeah,
2: I am on Twitter at Dragic Kingdom. Uh, like Sean, uh, I've been writing for GBB for about two years. I think we were in the same draft class, uh, Sean, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, but yeah, so um, on Twitter again at Dragic Kingdom. Um, so yeah,
0: absolutely, Sean. Lauren, thank you so much for coming on the show for a special edition of the core four, we can call this a uh, twice the night before the draft. You can find me on Twitter at Paca underscore Flocka. Make sure you're reading all of my work, all of Sean's work, Lauren's work and all the other GD beaters at grizzlybearblues.com. Make sure you follow them on Twitter at SB and Grizzlies and make sure you're liking, subscribing, downloading whatever you need to do for the grizzly bear blues podcast network on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Megaphone, iHeartRadio, or wherever you find your podcast. And with that, you can even find every episode of the Core 4, GBB Live, 3ND Podcast, and the Starting 5 Podcast. And with that, that's all, folks.